We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Well, let's begin our time in the Word. Uh, Two weeks ago, we started the Sola series. And uh, we've been living in Sola Scriptura. We've said that Sola Scriptura, Latin, means that that God's Word has the final authority in our life. Um, Sola Scriptura, it's like, if if you're new uh, to church, that's like, oh, okay, this dude's speaking a different language. It's Latin. It's from a long time ago. Um, It comes out of the Reformation where the people of God um, declared against the Catholic Church um, that we're going to stand on the Scripture alone, that we're going to trust in Christ alone. We're declaring that this happens by faith alone and we're both saved and guided by grace alone. And all of that is not to our glory, but it's to God alone. It's His glory. Um, And a number of things began to happen during one of these great uh, revivals, one of the greatest revivals in history, called the Reformation, in that the people of God were brought to a place, they they became a people of the book, and they no longer trusted or, or felt like they had to go through a priest in order to pray. They didn't feel like they had to go through a priest to get forgiveness or to to experience God, or anything like that, they could go by the Spirit through Jesus Christ to direct access to God. Isn't that good news? That is good news that we have as believers in Jesus Christ. That we can go to God. And so, icons were pulled down. Um, there were some furniture changes in church, um, um, in the Catholic church, that they have the table front and center. Um, so as to say, not that, not, not co- that communion's bad, but that it's the, the Pope and the church tradition has authority um, over your life as equal and final to Scripture. And so the Reformer said, that's not it. We need to make a visual change. And so they took this and they put it front and center. If you go to a Protestant church, Protestant churches were Protestant, uh, and and you'll see that the table uh, is below the pulpit. The pulpit is this this sign, this symbol, this memorial that we are going to follow this. Um, if you go into, you know, go out to the East Coast and you visit old churches, they're built in such a way where it, it almost looks like the the stage is this bow of a ship, the front of the ship, and the pastor stands high above and and preaches down to the people, not in an arrogant way, but they built it in such a way to say that we want 
the front and center of our lives and the authority to be God's word, and it's, it's going to direct us. And we need the Spirit to fill our sails, and we are going to be guided and taken. And that's, that's the image that the Reformers gave to us. And that we want to take and receive and learn from and allow it to influence and affect our lives. Uh, two weeks ago, when we started, we met a few characters. We met Scripture. We met tradition. Remember this? We met experience. We met reason. We met feelings. And we said, hey, those are all a part of the Christian life. Um, but first and foremost, stage center, we said, is Scripture. It's our final authority. And it, it actually deserves to be there. It's not just like, ah, eh, we don't have anything else. You know, so we'll just whatever, right? It deserves to be there. And so the next week we said, why does it deserve to be there? Well, it's inspired, which means, all right, God breathed. Yeah, we need to be strong in that area, that God breathed it out. It, it was God's Word. It was Him who wrote it. It was inerrant, so there's no errors. And it was sufficient. It's sufficient for life and godliness. And so... Um, we're seeing that as we as we study sola scriptura, um, we're seeing also that it's not just a book now. That all right, God wrote a book and it has no mistakes on it, and so let's put it on a shelf and like let it collect dust and let's let's look at it whenever we have problems, like in case of emergency, break glass. Like let's let's fact check to make sure we're okay, but it's not really usable. Is that what we're learning? No, 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 no. It is, and it claims itself, it's living and active. But what we're going to see this week, and I think you're really going to like it, is that it has, it has a person accompanied with it, that the Holy Spirit, who, who wrote it, also plays a role continuously with it to our lives. He pursues us in Scripture, with Scripture. And it's called the doctrine of illumination. So today is about illumination. Okay, uh, I didn't make up that word. That's a, that's a word that's been around for a long time. We could say it's a historical doctrine. And it talks about the Spirit's work in the life of a believer when they're reading Scripture, or hearing Scripture, or singing Scripture, or, or they're needing to be reminded of Scripture, where the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, He illuminates. He flicks on the light. He opens their eyes and causes them to see the beauty of the Scripture, to see the character of God, to see the love of God through His Son, to see the authority of the Scripture. This Holy Spirit, when He illuminates a believer, causes the believer to treasure the Lord and His Word above everything else. That's what we're talking about this morning. Let me show you in Scripture so that you don't just take it from the guy who's preaching, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Psalm 119, verse 18. Psalm 119, verse 18. This is the longest chapter in the Bible. And it's all about the law, and it's beautiful. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, it's on the screen for you, but I would encourage you. We're, I mean, folks, we're preaching Sola Scriptura. Bring your Bibles to church, okay? 
bring it to church. We want you to know your Bible and be able to navigate through it. Here's Psalm 119, verse 18. Open it up on your phone. It says this, open my eyes. Are we there? There we are. Good job. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. The psalmist David, he had the law. Like he, he had scrolls. He, he was able to read, but his prayer was, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. You gotta, you gotta work in my life. There's, there's gotta be something supernatural that happens here. This is, again, it's not just some piece of literature that's nice or inspiring. It's inspired, but you, God, need to open up my eyes to see it. Turn to the right. Turn to Ephesians 1, verse 18. Ephesians 1 in the New Testament. I memorized it as Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Go Eat Popcorn, or General Electric Power Company, if you're more of the engineering type. E, here we go, Ephesians 1, 18, starting in 18. I pray, it's a great verse, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I'll start again. I just hear some more pages scrolling. Here we go. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people, in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So maybe you've been a believer for a while. Uh, maybe you're new and maybe you're in church right now and you're like, I'm getting a little nervous. The pastor's talking about the Holy Spirit and I just read the word enlightened. Um, is this some Eastern mysticism stuff? No, this is our word. We get this word, enlightened, okay? That God through his spirit brings light to the believer. Again, he flicks on the light not just so that we would get it intellectually, but so that our, our, our head and our hearts would be brought to, to increased affections and whole heart devotion unto God. Illumination. So the sermon title is just that, Illumination. And here's the argument, or this sermon in a sentence, okay? Without illumination from the Spirit, we're toast. It's true. That's it. Um, we're toast. I know that's like how we talk these days. So I'm just trying to use the use hipster language. I'm such a hipster, you know. <laughs> but like toast in the sense that one, if we if we don't believe this doctrine and embrace it, we will get burnt out in the Christian life. We'll read the scriptures. And we'll, and we'll morally go, I need to do them. I need to read, like, I, like the pastor said last week, read, pray, and obey. And so you read. And then you, Lord, let me, help me do it. And then you just, you try to do it. And you get burnt out. Because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit enlightening your eyes and bringing life to your heart to animate it, to do it, to want to do it. But also, you're toast because in a sense, you won't even get cooked 
So I, I, this is borderline cheesy, but I went ahead and brought it. Um, so this is the new rhythm in our home. Uh, Daddy and his daughters uh, are cooking mama chicken every week. Okay. I don't know why we chose chicken. We just did. We're like, let's, how about once a week, let's, let's take over the kitchen and let's cook chicken. And so the first week was uh, chicken and waffles. And uh, Ruthie and I were in charge of waffles. And look at this waffle, like, look at the size of this thing, right? This was, this was our story. And we, we tried our best. And it took us like two hours to cook waffles for, for a family of six. And we were like, you know, like these little, and it just wouldn't cook through. And so we cooked halfway through and then we like stuck all of them in the oven. And by the end of the time, it was like, if we are going to do this chicken and waffles thing, we need a waffle maker because none of all, all the waffles that we ate were like raw, right? And uh, in the same way with scripture, if, if you read it void of illumination, if you never pray, ask God to open your eyes to the wonderful things of his law, he won't like, he won't cook you all the way through. It'll just be like, just be raw. And it'll, there won't be any life in it and through it. It is an absolute essential that we are illuminated as we read, as we hear, sing, live out the scriptures. So that's the point. If that doesn't happen, we're toast. Here's how it works. So theologically, before you crack open the book, all right, this is in the morning when you are in your quiet time, or this is you coming to church, or this is you, um, you know, uh, in a Bible study, whatever. You must ask the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that is at work in you, that indwells you, that sealed you when you first believed. You must ask the Spirit for illumination. What does that mean? Part of it means, Lord, are there any dark spots in my heart that need light to be brought in? Do I got any sin in my life that is keeping me from fellowship from you? Or, Lord, I, I have an aversion to this passage. It's hard for me. Or I, I just don't like it. It, oh, it just makes my teeth grind. Would you open my eyes to appreciate your, the authority of God's word? Because otherwise, I'm just going to buck up against it in my flesh. I need the Spirit to help me. I need you to revive my heart. I need, it, I need you to, to help me see the Lord and to see the law as perfect, reviving the soul. I need that right now. And then, as you pray, this doesn't, illumination doesn't promote apathy, like, didn't happen, spirit must not be working in my life, right? It, it promotes hard study, it promotes hard work, it promotes memorization. So as you read, and reread, and reread, and memorize, and memorize, that the spirit of God takes what is written on the page in black and white, but it was written by God. And, and it's like this, the words jump off the page and come into your heart and work in your life, not for information, but for transformation. 
so that you would be transformed in such a way where you love and appreciate the authority of God's word in your life. And it becomes not an aversion, not bitter, but where it becomes sweet to your taste. And that's the difference between a person who doesn't believe and a person who believes. It's sweeter than honeycomb, like honey on my lips. Last week, I shared a story with you about when, when my wife and I were in Tanzania and I shared the passage of scripture from 2 Timothy to Joseph Fundi. Do you remember this story? Remember this story? If, if you weren't here last week, here's a 15 second snapshot. When we were in Tanzania, I memorized this verse in Swahili. I was feeling like, Lord, you're telling me to, to share it with this guy when we're here at his graduation. Hannah and I and his family, we, we went from Moshi, where Kilimanjaro is at, all the way to the East Coast to go to this guy's graduation. And I mingled with him the whole day under this tree, six, eight hours. And, and it wasn't my personality. It wasn't the cool things or the smartness that I said. But at the end of the day, we we're all walking away. And I was like, oh, I didn't share my verse. Lord, Lord. So the, everyone walks off and I turn back and I go, hey, Joseph, before I go, you know, I, I want to share this verse with you, and I've, I've been memorizing it. And so I, I shared it with him. It's the verse, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Again, I, I shared it. I shared why I chose it. I figured, hey, let's pick a study verse. He just graduated. You know, I'm just, I, whatever, right? And how I shared it, it was to prove to you. It was to, like, imprint on your heart that God's word is sufficient. That it, it didn't meet, need my, my creativeness. Like Joseph didn't need my personality. Joseph didn't need my charisma. He needed the word. And when I, when I shared it with him, I tried to give you an image. It was like it came out of my mouth. You remember this? And it went into his ears. And it, like, it seemed like it like hit his eyes because he immediately got glossy-eyed and went down to his heart. You know, did that happen in that order? I don't know. I was trying to share this image, right? But now, that was to illustrate sufficiency. Now let me shape that story again in the context of illumination. What happened to Joseph when I externally, these are theological terms, externally the word goes out. What happened internally was that the Holy Spirit illumined his heart to understand, appreciate, and be drawn to God so that his affections were not for himself, for his studies, but he recognized in that moment that was God's word, that's authoritative, and it's sweet to my soul, and I want it. I want to live like that. So in other imagery, it was like it came out of my mouth and it was almost like the Holy Spirit like wrapped himself around those words and, and helped him to digest it as he was hearing it and it entered his heart. His, the soil of his heart was tilled. It was turned over. It was soft towards the things of God. Do I know if it was sweet immediately to him? Maybe it was hard for him. Maybe it was convictional. 
Maybe, maybe it was just a wonderful reminder. I actually have no idea. <laughs> but I know that it worked. It was sufficient. It was efficacious. And the Spirit illumined him. Isn't that exciting? Don't you guys want to be a part of that? Yeah. So, these words that went out, they weren't just inspirational, but the Spirit caused him to see it as authority, not to shake his fist at God, but again, to find it glorious. Um, so quick explanation, okay? Non-believers, um, so those who have yet to repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they've never been illumined. Um, they never, they have never received the Spirit, they've, so they've never believed. They don't have the Spirit of God. Uh, this doesn't mean that they don't um, understand God's Word cognitively. This doesn't mean that they can't hear the stories, um, uh, understand the geography of them, the facts of them, the grammar of them, even the moral call to change. They can even try to change, and it might appear that they are following the moral standards of the Scriptures. But they don't have the Spirit yet to illumine their hearts. Can I show you? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, the natural person, which is Paul's way of saying uh, the person who's not supernatural, so who doesn't have the Holy Spirit, so the person who's not only walking in the flesh like that Christians can do sometimes, but the person who absolutely is natural, 100%, no spirit. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. Do you see that? And he is not able, look at that, he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So this means, just to use the common language so far that you're hearing, this means that when a non-believer hears the Word of God, while they can understand it intellectually down in their heart because they don't have the Spirit, it is bitter to them. They don't like it. They don't see it as authority. And it is the, the smell of death to them. It brings judgment upon them. What do they need? What does a non-Christian need? They need illumination. They need the Spirit to turn on the lights so that they can see and behold the wonderful works of God. So here's, here's just a quick story that's recorded about a non-believer and information as opposed to actual transformation. Um, so there's the story of a seminary professor when he was in the Holy Lands in Jerusalem, that he was traveling with a guy, and he, he asked them, um, hey, you, you seem to know the Scriptures. Um, is that true? And he's like, well, yes, I actually have the Old Testament memorized. Um, he's like, well, could you recite something for, for, our, for our group? 
And the guy, well, of course, what would you like to, what would you like to hear? Well, how about, how about the book of Psalms? Like, I really like Psalm 1, right? Can you just recite a few verses from Psalm 1? Three hours later, this guy is still reciting Psalms, okay? Started in Psalm 1 all the way. Think you could do it, right? At the end of the time, wow, that's amazing that you have recited that. Um, the, the professor who asked the guy, he was so surprised that, that at the drop of a hat, he could recite so much scripture. So it was a, a surprising response. The conversation continued, and what he was more surprised at was that he was an atheist. So the guy knew cognitively all the scriptures. He had memorized them, but he was never illumined. His eyes were never opened to the glories of God. Many, many books can inform, but it is only the Bible through the power of the Holy Spirit that can transform the life. So for believers, that's, that's non-believers, okay? Those who don't have the Spirit, they've never been illumined. For believers, technically, if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit. You've been given the Holy Spirit, and you have been illumined. So for the so once, like, like at first, initially, when you believed in God, He gave you the Holy Spirit, and He turned on the lights to your mind and heart and will and affections and everything. And you were given the ability to love and follow and understand the Scripture and to see it as beautiful. You were granted the, the desire to walk with God. You didn't have it before, and now you want it. You've all experienced that, those who believe. What happened? What happened? Well, the work of the Spirit in your life. He drew you. He drew your heart to God. He opened your eyes. He caused light to shine. He gave you the heart to love God so that you could recognize God's Word as sola scriptura in your life, final authority. But he doesn't just do it at conversion, right? That we continually come to him and can ask him to say, Lord, would you open my eyes again? I don't get this, or I'm struggling with this. Or Lord, would you show me new things in this passage, in this, in this life? Would you do a work? And that is the work of illumination. He continues to work in the life of a Christian through illumination. So, what do you do about it? <laughs> For the non-believer, um, if you see God's word as a stench to your nostrils, if, if you hate God, if you hate the things of God, um, you need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. And so what should you do? You should recognize that you're in the darkness and go, I don't know how to get out of this darkness. I need you, God, to help me. I don't know what this Newman guy is saying about illumination. Sounds like big words. I just know that I need help. 
And I think it comes, I think it comes from Jesus. Jesus, would you, would you, I hear this stuff in Sunday school about Jesus dying on the cross, forgiveness of sins. I think I need that. And when you pray and ask the Lord for forgiveness of your sins, he doesn't just say, yeah, sure, wipe you clean and just figure out it from here on out. He gives you the Holy Spirit to continually open your eyes and heart to see God as your highest treasure. Non-believer, be urgent about this. But for the believer, you must ask the Lord for continual illumination. I would hope, this is the third week now in Sola Scripture, I would hope that you're taking what you're learning at church and running home and Monday morning, Sunday evening, that you are opening God's word and, and seeing it as a treasure in your life. I hope that your quiet time ratio, I'm not just about like the law or like just about a checkbooks, check, you know, check the box or whatever, but I hope that you've been more in the word since we've been talking about the word and exalting the word so much. I, I, I hope that you've increased your reading in it. But now this Sunday, I'm saying prior, prior to opening it up, because we've all been there, we've gone like this. Oh, man, I'm in Leviticus, this word. Oh, man, what am I going to do? All right, here we go. Got to go to work, right? And you have felt or, and done and learned nothing. What you're learning this Sunday, what I hope that the Lord's teaching you now is to go, Lord, I can't just read this in and of my own strength and figure it out on my own intellectual abilities. Would you open my eyes? George Mueller, I was talking with a friend this week about George Mueller, and he used to read until the Spirit opened his eyes. He used to, he, no markings. He wouldn't mark his Bible at all so that he wouldn't be bogged down by past experiences of the Lord through the Spirit opening his eyes. And so he would read, 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 read. Sometimes it was five minutes. Sometimes it was 30 seconds. Sometimes it was an hour and a half. But he wouldn't get up from his chair until he heard from God through his word. What was he waiting for? Come on, guys. That's right. That's what we're learning today. A, a strange and untaught doctrine in the church that I hope is just going to impact your life from here on out. Let me share another instance of how this works in the life of a believer. And so this is just fresh on my mind. Me from this week. Okay. So I had lunch with a guy named Mark this week. Not from our church. Um, and as I was talking and he was sharing and I was saying, hey, what sort of challenges are you going through? What can I be praying for? And he, he was sharing stuff about his church and, and the Lord brought to mind a passage of scripture that I had read earlier that day. Okay. And so I shared it with him. What do we have so far? We have, uh, we have the doctrine of sufficiency of scripture. We have the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, how he recalls to mind scripture. Okay. But now he is receiving the scripture and the Lord starts illuminating him. The spirit is doing his work of illuminating and he is being comforted by God's word. Okay. And so I, I, I shared that with him out of obedience, but not necessarily. I mean, I believe it, but in that moment, my eyes, were, they weren't like opened and I wasn't like, I need this verse too. I was just like, he needs this verse. Two days later. Hannah and I were praying with another couple. The Lord brings this verse to mind, not for another person. 
for me. It was for me. As I was praying, the Spirit was illuminating my heart. Guys, I'm not talking about mystical things here. The Spirit was causing me to, 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 to bow down to the authority of Jesus and how He spoke these truths and how I shared them before for someone else. Now they're meant for me. And now I was trusting in the promises of Jesus and seeing, you know what? Jesus said it. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to follow it. And I needed that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Do you see how the Holy Spirit works through His Word? This isn't just dry. It's not just living and active. It's not just something that He did past tense, right? Read Hebrews. There's a really beautiful passage in there where it says, just listen. And, and the writer of Hebrews, this isn't in my notes, but the Spirit is illuminating. And it reminded me. This, this, it says, he brings up an Old Testament passage, but he prefaces it. And he says, just look at what the Spirit says. Tense. Did you catch it? It didn't say, look at what the Spirit said. Long. It's, look at what He is saying to the churches now. That's how the Holy Spirit works. It's beautiful. So I want us to just pause for a second and recognize, because um, we're, we're, we're coming to the end. I'm rounding third here. And you might be like listening and going, okay, so far Newman wants us to understand illumination. He wants us to like, Pray, I guess, before we have a quiet time and pray in the car before we get to church. And I guess this is important stuff for me. He seems kind of like passionate about it. Um, I think at first I want you to be really grateful at the movement of God towards you. Let me just let me just play it out. Uh, God, the Godhead, when you say it like that, we're talking about the Trinity the Godhead, the Father loved you so much that He sent His Son from heaven to earth. Jesus, because He loved you and wants to honor the Lord so much, He said, yeah, I'll go. I, I will take on flesh for them. And He moved towards you and was, was born in a manger amongst, amongst filth, amongst amongst humans he he made himself in our likeness he became obedient to the father and he became obedient all the way unto death he lived a perfect life for you and then he died on the cross he died a perfect death then he was buried he rose again and ascended before he ascended he told his disciples we're going to keep on pursuing the people of god because i want the name of god to be known so that the name and renown of the lord would be like like projected and and like known throughout all the nations well how are we going to do this i'm going to i'm going to keep pursuing you by sending the holy spirit and so you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How? you got to have the Spirit. you got to have the Spirit. Well, that was just for a missionary call, right? That would just happen past tense. That's like, we're, we're good now. We're, we're in Mainville. Accomplished, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't have to work like that anymore. No! No! 
Acts 1.8 especially is an emphasis on evangelism. But what we're seeing now is that all the time, the Holy Spirit is pursuing you, doing the work of turning on the lights. Getting you to, He's drawing you so that you, your affections would be raised and that you would submit to the authority of God's Word. God wrote a book. He wants you to know Him. Read it. And He's also telling, sending the Spirit so that you would understand it. So it won't be so far off, distant. Ah, that's only for scholars. It's only for people in seminary. He wants you to know Him. Isn't that beautiful that He continues to pursue us through all three persons of the Godhead? So I want you to walk out of here going, Woo! I'm just grateful today. Man, before I was feeling like junk. But now, this is better than a Taylor Swift concert. Everyone's going to be talking about this. I should be talking about this. This is greatness. That's not from experience. I've never been to a Swift concert. I'm not a Swifty, but <laughs> I'm a closet Swifty. Okay. I'm not. I'm not. So here's two examples of prayers of illumination. Okay, they're up for you on the screen. This one starts off, it's written by a guy named George Matheson. I emailed this to you this morning. This, uh, print this out. Stick it in your, um, in your Bible. Pray this often. Divine Spirit, illumine to me the words of the Lord. Show me the wealth of glory that lies beneath the old familiar stories. Teach me the depths of meaning hidden in the songs of Zion. Raise me to the heights of aspiration that is reached by the wings of the prophets. Lift me to the summit of faith that is trod by the feet of the apostle. Open my eyes, there we are, that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Amen. Here's another one. I love this one. It's a little shorter by George Herbert. Oh, make your word a swift word, passing from the ear to the heart, from the heart to the lip and conversation, that as the rain returns not empty, so neither may your word, but accomplish that which, for which it is given. Amen. So there's illumination. The question that, that we might be asking that I want to I equip us with now is, um, what if I feel like the Lord is illumining my heart towards understanding, but honestly, what if I'm missing it? <laughs> what if I get it wrong? What if a buddy tells me he was illumined by the Spirit and I feel like it's kind of weird? What do I do with regards to loving God and loving others? How do I walk with God in community? And so this would be an illumination and interpretation message. How do we interpret illumination? How should we walk with God and others? Do you understand the question? So I'm just going to give five things and then we'll pray together. Number one, with prayer and seeking. Again, 
The question is, how do I walk with God and others? How do I interpret illumination? How do I do theology, Martin Luther would ask? You've got to bring his name up. We're talking about Reformation stuff. Okay? Number one is with prayer and seeking. So when it comes to walking with God and coming to him through the scriptures, we must pray. So I would hope at least that, that this Sunday we move the needle, that you would pause prior to her, hearing a sermon, prior to church, prior to open up the word, prior to Bible study and say, Lord, all right, I need, to, I need you here. Would you open my eyes? Would you help me understand? Would you open my heart? to be willing to obey whatever it says. That's a, that's a seeking, and that's an acknowledgement that the, you need the Holy Spirit in this, in this process. And if it's void of the Spirit, you're toast. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. This is a longer quote, so just hang with me, okay? But when we have no commentator or minister, we have still the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you a little secret. Whenever you cannot understand a text, open your Bible, bend your knee, and pray over that text. And if it does not split into atoms and open itself, try again. And if prayer does not explain it, it is one of the things God did not intend you to know, and you may be content to be ignorant of it. Prayer is the key that opens the cabinets of mystery. Prayer and faith are sacred picklocks that can open secrets and obtain great treasures. There is no college for holy education like that of the blessed spirit. For he is an ever-present tutor to whom we have only to bend the knee and he is at our side. The great expositor of truth. Isn't that great news? I love that. We're not alone. We just, we sang that. We're not alone. We're not alone. And so I would encourage you, again, pray this for yourself. Also pray this for others. So in, in my life, it's like I am on the carpet Saturday night, face down, going, I pray, Lord. I've prepared this sermon. Lord, I think it's accurate. I think it's according to your will. But you need to take it. And your spirit needs to apply it to the people's heart. There's nothing that I can say or do that would, would woo them emotionally or conjure up feelings in order to get some sort of outcome. It has to be you opening their eyes. Would you do it? This prayer will give you great patience in the Christian life as you walk with God in community. Why? Because as you grow in Christ, you're going to be like, sweet, I want to make disciples too. You're going to start meeting with someone, and pretty soon after a month or two months or two years, you're going to go, they ain't growing quick enough. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? And so you start getting upset or frustrated or bitter, and then you go, I'm going to make them. <laughs> I'm going to force this thing. I'm going to, you know... And so illumination is a wonderful prayer. Lord, would you open their eyes? I can't open their eyes. Would you do it? So it's a great prayer for your ministry. As you work in the children's ministry, as you disciple others, as you prepare to serve at VBS. Number two, 
Here's number two. With reason and order. So number two, uh, number one was by, by, by prayer and seeking God. Number two is reason and order. Um, uh, the, the, the quick summary would be, hey, God gave you a brain. Use it. It's okay. Like, use, use your intellect and, and, and reason and don't get weird on me, right? Um, here's uh, Wayne Grudem, really respected theologian. He says, we are free to use our reasoning abilities to draw deductions from any passage of Scripture so long as these deductions do not contradict the clear teaching from some other passage in Scripture. So, read it. Makes sense to you? Check yourself with other passages of Scriptures and go for it. It's reasoning. Reasoning and order. Number three, with humility and help from others. So, how do you walk with God? How do you love Him and walk with others in community? With humility and help from others. So it, it kind of looks like this. Like, hey, bro, I was reading this this day, uh, this passage today, and man, I really felt like the Spirit um, was leading me. I understood it. I, I'm, and so I was just going to check myself with you. You think, I, I was, I was going to do this. What do you think? Am I seeing it right? I was, gonna, I, I was thinking of leading my family in this manner. I was thinking of sharing like this or... Uh, you know, hey, I was working with my finances, and I was gonna. What do you What do you think? Am, am I Am I Am I missing it? Here's kind of the the passages that I was meditating on, and and that's kind of informing my thinking, both biblically and and just practically. What do you think? I'd love your thoughts. It's uh, it's scary. Takes some humility. Um, it also takes great courage from the recipient right? Um, it takes courage from the church to, to respond with honesty and integrity, to go like this. <laughs> I mean, I don't, maybe I need to study a little bit more, but I think you might, you might need to think through it a little bit further. Um, and so how about we grab some coffee, but, but Maybe I just need to ask some more questions, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not with you quite yet. That takes courage. Rather than going, yeah, sure, that sounds great. I don't know why bananas is coming to my mind, but yeah, sure, great. Go, go fill your house with bananas. <laughs> like, that sounds very strange, but if the Holy Spirit, right? So, Ask your church, ask your community group, ask the person discipling, and be humble. Number four, with discernment, we test everything, we hold on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. That's 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. So everything we hear is not true. Um, so examine everything. Even examine yourself. That's number four, with discernment. And then number five, this is last, uh, with joyful adoration. So be thankful to God that he, through his son and by his spirit, is continuing to work in your life and wants you close to him. Wants you to understand, wants you to worship him, wants you to follow him. Church, let's be illumined this week by God's word, shall we? Let me pray, and then we'll respond and worship to him. Lord, we love you.
And we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives that He illumines us. He awakens our heart out of sleep. He moves us from apathy to an animated love for you. And I pray, Lord, that that we would be alive and uh, have a full heart ready to love, serve, and follow you. Would you open our eyes this week? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? And let's work.